Welcome back to the Better Men, Better Ball Player podcast. I'm your host, Trey Cobb, and I am thrilled that you'll be joining us with me here today uh, for another great conversation, a great episode of another dude, just a dude, Doug Little from Potomac State Community College has decided to join us here on the podcast to talk about how we can not only help develop players, but how to develop better men. Um, he gets into the podcast discussing how much more important, he says, how about spending more time on mental toughness than they do the physical side. Uh, knowing that when guys have the mental toughness and when he uses his side sessions or skill sessions to find situations in games where guys showed mental toughness or to bring them awareness of when they didn't have it so then they can work on those things and again build on those things but coach little is just a tremendous coach um for those people who don't know he is like i said he's the head coach at potomac state community college in kaiser west virginia this is 24th season there at potomac state he's got over 700 wins it's uh he's at 18 seasons with 30 more wins He's been the ABCA Regional Coach of the Year. He's been a four-time East District JUCO Coach of the Year with four trips to the Division I College World Series. He was, in 2016, a JUCO Hall of Fame inductee. He's also produced five Region 20 Pitcher of the Years. He's had numerous players drafted and signed professional baseball, as well as go to four-year schools. Um, but Coach Little, you can hear throughout the, the conversation how much of a great teacher he is. Um, he's very detail-oriented and just a dude. Um, yeah, really, really privileged to know Coach Little um, and have the opportunity to take some of our teams uh, these past couple falls to go play him in the Catamounts of Pot State. Um but uh, it's just a, it's it's good because and it's and it's unique because Hagerstown and Potts Potomac State the big big rivalry uh, they are you know when you talk about Region Twenty baseball you're talking Potomac State you're talking Hagerstown Community College so very fortunate to be able to have a good relationship with Coach Little um, if you know baseball in this area Coach Little is one of the best in our area uh, one of the best in JUCO and. Um, you know, just really fortunate to have a great conversation, and uh, hopefully you enjoy it. Just talking about all the things he does in the program, from his weekly schedule here in the fall, uh, what they're trying to him do during the COVID, and just how he's willing to adapt, adapt in his years at being a uh, a head coach at Pot State. So, uh, let's love our conversation. Um, if you'd like to reach out to Coach Little, his email is dalittle at mail he gets even gets in there, gets on his cell phone. You guys can listen to that. Um, he's just that willing to share and um, always looking for good players as well. But like every good coach is. But overall, it's just a great conversation. I just love to have it again. Very fortunate for Coach have the relationship with Coach Little and can't thank him enough. And um, hope you guys enjoy this this episode here with Coach Doug Little from Potomac State Community College. <laughs> My assistant, uh, Don Shaver, he's been with me 22 of my 24 years here. And we were just talking about this the other day that in coaching, your life's pretty regimen. You know, from this time you're going to do this to this time you're going to do that. 
and all that's out the window now. Um, we've we've been going. We're in our second week of practice, and we've had one time in in fourteen days that we had everybody there at practice. Wow. Um, so it's, 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 a, it's, it's a new, that's something that we're not used to. Usually we have everybody there at practice and, and, you know, you can go a certain time. So we're, we're tailoring our practices because we've got, we've got a 46 man roster right now. And we're on Tuesdays and Thursdays, we have practice in two separate groups, like got our team divided into two groups. So we don't have everybody at the same time to try to prevent spread and we can spread out in the dugout and stuff. So um, we're trying to counter it that way, but it's just, it's just so unusual. And, and um, you know, like we, we've had a couple of kids sick this week um, and we have the dorms that has a different element to it. Mm-hmm. So um, we have a couple of kids come down sick, but like this week, well, last week we had one and today we have one where a couple of our guys, text me and they're not feeling well they're sick um not running a fever but kind of sick at their stomach so they have to go into covid protocol which means that they gotta go get tested we do testing here on campus um, and then we don't have the the rapid response so they get tested and they know about six days later so they can't be around the team and um so we've got guys (laughs) You know, two or three guys with that right now. And thank goodness, knock on wood, they've all come back negative. I say all of them. We've only had two have come back negative. But, you know, there's there's a guy out for practice for six days until he gets his results. Oh, wow. And one, one, one particular player was a pitcher, so he missed all of his bullpens, and he can't pitch this weekend without bullpenning. And so, you know, you got to be more flexible than ever and, and adapt and change and it, it's hard on me because I always like have everybody at practice, but we've had one time in 14 days, we've had everybody there. So just kind of the signs of time we'll get through it. Whoever's there we go with and figure it out. Sure. Sure. I mean, it's, that's why I guess just get, getting into like, cause I know just the, the amount of detail that you guys have and what, what I know with your program um, is it, is it really hard? Is it really hard to kind of get everybody on the same page with all the things that I know that you like to cover and from the smallest detail? It is, um, you know, like I said, typically we got everybody there and we go over it one time. I hate going over stuff twice, but we're kind of living in that era now where we have to. And, and, um, we put some stuff in with our pitchers and we had a couple of pitchers that were out because of this. And now they're going to be coming back and they're going to have to learn what's going on or we can't put them into a game. So just trying when somebody's out, we try to catch them up to speed when they get back. And it, it's frustrating but I'm sure every other team's in the same situation that we're in to where you're going to have guys coming and going because of, because of this. And you just have to manage and do the best that you can. And um, that's been the hardest part for me because I'm pretty regimented and like to have a, you know, a, a system of doing things as far as time frames and stuff and uh, a routine, I guess you could say, and sure. not able to, not really able to do that this fall. Yeah. Well, I'd, I'd love to get into that system and regiment. You know, that's one thing I love always, care down like even just the smallest detail of I just know like your guys um foul balls in your dugout you know like you can just tell that those things are worked on you know if foul balls come everybody's in the dugout standing and you know they're communicating and that just doesn't happen uh with talking about it during a game um so if you don't mind like just kind of diving into like some of that reg- is that is that something like do you have like a 
basically a list of things that you've always had and said, hey, we, this is the things we can cover like per week. Uh, do you kind of see them as a fall thing or do you have you split them up between the seasons? Good question. We have a we have a list of things that we we obviously want to try to get in every every fall. We try to put almost every single thing in the fall. And this 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 year, especially um, when we go home from Thanksgiving break, which is around the 22nd or 23rd of November, then we're going online the last two weeks. And then we don't start class again to January the 19th. And that's when we would start practice again. And our first game is February the 20th. So this fall, more than ever, we're having to put everything in. So once we get back in January, we only got 30 days till we're playing. And hopefully we got everything in. So once we get to January, it's just going to be a review of everything from the fall. So, yeah, we've got a list of things that we like to try to put in. And, and honestly, you know this, you've coached at, at the college level and, and you know, at the junior college level you got to be careful about too much information overload. Um, You know, you got different levels of learning with guys, you know, you got, you could rank your players one through 25 on a physical ability. And if you rank them on a mental ability, it's not going to be the same one through 25 as a physical part. So, you know, you got to kind of take in to consideration the learning levels of guys. We got some guys that are really quick learners and some guys takes a little bit of time. And it's like, I think it's like that on any team. Mm -hmm. Um, And we, we try to, try to implement two or three new things a week and just kind of each week goes by, add new things, add new things, add new things. And, and honestly, we're, we're pretty simple. Um, we don't do anything extravagant, um, nothing flashy. It just kind of the bare bones basics of baseball and just try to work on those, you know, we, we don't have many bunt defenses. We don't have many first and third plays. We just try to keep it simple and have a few of them and just try to run those things really well. And, um, but, you know, going back to your original question, yeah, we try to add two or three things a week. Um, we, were, we were talking this week because in our games so far, we've played five inter-squad games so far, and um, we're having problems catching pop-ups to catchers. We're 0 for 3 on pop-ups behind home plate. So that's going to be our focus tomorrow in practice is letting those catchers get a bunch of pop-ups behind home plate, let them work on that because we're not very good at it right now. Um, So, but yeah, we, we start off with the very basics. Um, First day practice, we go over fly ball communication and, and on balls at the fence and trying to help guys uh, catch fly balls and do that kind of stuff and just kind of build from there. Um, to more more complex things. And like I said, we don't get too complex because I'm not a real bright guy. We have to try to keep it simple and and try to break it down on a level that the players can understand too. Sure. And, and I guess I guess what I'm thinking is too is like, so do you, you build in like the time for like your curriculum, the things that you want. And then like you said, you still have the time to say, okay, well, here's what, like you just said, the catching, uh, you're not catching pop-ups. And then you have the fact, here's what we need to focus on now though. You know what I mean? Like we, here's our things we need to, but we also need to have time for that in practice because we're not doing that well right now. Yes. Yeah. It's kind of a, it's kind of a combination of things we've got to cover. And then in these five games, breaking things down and, and that's going to, that's, that's one area that we're lacking right now is that. And, um, and we're not doing a very good job of, um, of uh, our pitchers and catchers working together with a runner at second base, going through a sign sequence. We got, we got four catchers and, and three of them are new. So we're having a tough time. Our slow, our pace, 
our, our play of pace is our, our our pace of play is very slow right now, especially when guys get on base and the guy at second. Our catchers aren't used to our pitchers and vice versa. So this week we're going to work on putting signs out the guy at second and getting getting more familiar with that. Do you try um, to do that as much as live as possible, or do you try to do base? Do you start that with the bullpen, or do you have like certain drill series that you use? We use we usually go out on the field and do that on the game mound with the middle infielders and the pitchers and the catchers and let them work together because as you know it's important for those middle infielders to know what pitch is coming and sure and we we got to change our sequence up every inning or every couple of innings so we're not doing the same thing and you know and making it easy for the runner at second to get signs so it's just for the guys that they they're used to doing that it just may be done a different way where they come from to here it's just kind of different terminology they got to get used to um but but they're, they're starting actually they're starting to catch on and starting it's starting to get a little bit better so that it's making it fun like today um we we finished uh we 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 played the eight inning game yesterday on Sunday and got four innings in and the rain set in and we had to finish the last four innings today. And it, it was, you can see the guys starting to figure out some of the stuff. Our games this weekend were a lot cleaner than they were last weekend from mistakes. We still got a lot of work on, but you can see them starting to figure some things out and get used to each other and get used to some of the new terminology and ways of doing things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Play your style of baseball for sure. Hmm. Yeah. Um, because yeah, I just wonder like how much, because uh, I know you're you're such a great teacher and you guys break things down so, um, so fundamentally and so, and I was wondering like how how much because it was always been a, a struggle for me and I think what a lot of coaches try to try to make it game like, and so how do you take when you're breaking things down so fundamentally keeping them simple but then still give them the game like repetition? And I think you hit the nail on the head. I teach a coaching class here and we were just talking about this in my coaching class on Thursday about how important it is to get players to go game speed and practice. And it's, it's, it's very difficult. Um, you know, obviously you got to motivate more for practicing doing games. I think on game days, if you have to motivate your team's probably in trouble, sure. but the key is like you said, is finding a way to make players go game speed and practice or to make practice more difficult than what the game is. Um, so we, I, I think we do try to do a really good job. We really harp on that with our guys is, and we tell them the importance of doing everything game speed. So when it actually happens in the game, they are ready for it. And our guys really buy into it. I, I you know, and, and coaching at the junior college level, and you know, this, I, I love coaching at this level. There's my lights again. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. <laughs> well, that could be pretty annoying. It's unbelievable. <laughs> 2020. <laughs> I think of, uh, yeah, I think of Lou Brown every time that goes up. I'm tired of this nickel and dime stuff. <laughs> That's right. Major League, yes. Yeah, I can sit yes. here and wave my arms and still don't care. That's crazy. That's crazy. That is crazy. Where, what was I talking about? I'm about sorry. more intense, like just trying to be more intense with your focus with uh, have a game like rep at practice. Yeah. And, and you, you know, um, junior college is a great level to coach at. The guys are really motivated. I think they're motivated because they know if they don't work in a classroom, if they don't work on the field, that they're not going to have a chance to move on. So you don't have to motivate guys a whole lot at this level. I have found uh, that's why I enjoy coaching at this level because the guys are hungry. They're trying to, to use us as a stepping stone to move on to bigger and better things. And, and they really, you know, we, they really buy into it. 
Um, I think we're fortunate the success that we have, it makes it easier on players come in to buy into it because we've had success and they see where the players have moved on to. So that helps. But um, we really emphasize the importance of them going full speed in games so and getting the reps so when it happens in games you know right now we're a little bit robotic with our stuff that our guys are learning because it's new they're they're kind of a little bit hesitant to make mistakes right now but over time once they get those reps and start learning it it becomes more like clockwork and they're able to execute without thinking about it right now they're trying to think about it and execute it Mm -hmm. and it's a little bit slow and and their timing's off but the more that we put them into those situations um they, they get more relaxed and, and they're prepared better and they're able to execute a lot better. Sure. So, and how, and how, like, what are the kind of things that you've kind of learned you know, in 24 seasons? I'm sure you weren't doing the way you're doing it now, just knowing the kind of learner you are and things like that. And how has that, how has that changed for you? It has changed. Um, in some ways better in some ways, not as good. Um, but you know, um, I hear people talking about travel ball and yeah. all that kind of stuff. I, I'm for players trying to play as many games as they can. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so especially, you know, with what we're going through now, our, our players that were with us last year, we only got 12 games before we got shut down. And some of them got to play a little bit this summer. Um, I'm, a, I'm a big believer in if, if a kid really wants to play and they want to play, you know, hundred games, let them play it. Um, but um, give me, I'm sorry, give me back to your question. I, I got, uh, I was just, I was just wondering just how, like how that's changed, you know, with all your, you know, you're talking like where you say you're, you kind of start with so fundamental right now and then how you're kind of helping them with game like situations, you know, and how your prog, how your practice has progressed. And I'm just wondering, has it always been like that? Have you, have you done it differently in the past where you were, and I just, just thinking about how them, how much that's changed in 24 years with you. Okay. Sorry about that. I got to go on a different direction. Um, It it has changed some. I think the part that's changed is, is, is me and what I've done Um, before. I'm not a very, I I wish I was more patient, but I think I am a little bit more patient than I was 20 years ago. But I think the thing that, that we we're, we're doing the exact same thing as we did 20 some years ago. The only difference is I think that we're, I think we're doing a better job of not information overloading before, you know, years ago, we just go, we teach four or five things in a row and we're overloading guys. And our, our thought process then was try to throw as much information at them. They're going to have to retain it. And we were finding out that guys weren't retaining it and we were wasting their time and our time by, by really trying to get too many things in. And that's a nice thing too, about the college level with the fall, you got the entire fall, winter before you start playing games for real. And um, this this fall, I'm really glad we're only inter squad, not playing outside competition, honestly, because we're we, we got a chance to be, I think, a pretty decent ball club. But right now, we're not, so we don't embarrass ourselves too much with nobody watching us. Um, yeah. <laughs> but but I think the thing that we've done that's different, honestly, I think the players are roughly the same as they were then. Um, you know, kids want to win. They want to do well. They want to improve. They're not out there trying to make mistakes. Um, you know, we got some tough, gritty kids every year that, you know, some people say, well, the athletes 20 years ago were um, more mentally tough. 
it, I honestly think it's the same. The, the approach that we've taken, that we've changed, and I'd say it's we have high standards, but I don't think we try to cover too much too quick. We kind of spread it out. And, and like I said, just trying to make sure the guys go over a few things really well. And I think they remember it. Um, I, I really think even, you know, I coached at, at the division one level for five years. And I think a lot of times we overloaded our guys and they were, they were confused with what we were trying to do. So I try, and, and I honestly, I've got a short attention span myself. So I try to try to limit, you know, how we, we practice six days out of seven and our practice sessions, like our longest practices is about two hours, two hours and 15 minutes. We don't go really long because I really think that after two hours, two and a half hours, tension span goes down and guys don't, they, they, it's hard for them to focus. Mm-hmm. And, and you, you, you've been around baseball your whole life. I think baseball is one of the hardest games, if not the hardest game to play mentally because it's such long days, especially on game day, you play a double header, you're out on the field for six, seven hours. And then you got 20, 30 minutes in between games. It's hard to stay focused for baseball that whole time. So we try not to overload the guys. And I'm sure some of our guys probably think they are overloaded, but honestly, we try to keep it pretty simple and, 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 and just kind of do it in chunks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, that could have, I could go a uh, couple ways then though in your wheelhouse. I'm thinking practice then. Like, so let's talk about that to our practice, man. Like, what are you, what are you like? How, how are you chunking? How are you chunking that practice? That's one thing we, I wear. I, one thing I like, I'd like to come see a practice. That's for sure. <laughs> you're welcome. Anytime. We'd love to have you. All right. Um, typically like in our fall, we play every Saturday and Sunday. Monday is an off day unless we get rained out on the weekend. And then Tuesday is Tuesday is, is, is kind of a conditioning day where we just condition everybody, but we we review from the weekend. And I honestly, we started that about 10 years ago. And I found that has been one of the biggest thing that's helped our guys is on Tuesdays. The first thing we do on Tuesdays is review the games from over the weekend. Here's the things that we did. Well, here's the mistakes that we're making. Um, and I really think that that's as useful as, as playing on a game day that guys can learn from that. Um, now today we kind of did a combination. We had to finish our game from, from yesterday because of the rain. And then it didn't take us long to play that game. And we reviewed for about 30, 40 minutes afterward from the weekend. And, um, like, you know, for example, we reviewed some of our pitchers when our catcher gets the sign down with the guy at second base, as soon as the live sign goes down, the pitcher comes up and comes set and the catcher's not going, going through all of his signs. And we're not fooling anybody. It's easy for the runner to second base to pick up what sign we're going with. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we, we talked about that today um, as our pitchers, is you got to let the catcher go through his sequence completely before you come up and come set. If not, we're not fooling anybody. So, you know, our, our pitchers that were here last year, they're really good about it. just the new pitchers kind of learning the new system. You know, I've had a pitcher tell me when high school, our catchers put down one sign with a guy at second base. Mm. And, uh, you know, I'm amazed in college, our guys will come back sometime and say, when they're running second bases, hey, they're only putting one sign down. Mm. And, and uh, so, you know, we review from our mistakes over the weekend. Like we had a couple of base running mistakes over the weekend and we're able to sit down and, and, you know, the guys know our base running strategy with no outs, one out, two outs, what we're trying to do. 
um, and we made a couple of base running mistakes that doesn't go along with our base running philosophy. And, and the guys knew, which was good, the guys knew when they made a mistake and what they were supposed to do. They, they just made a mistake, but they knew what, afterwards that I, I shouldn't have done that. Like we had a, we had a kid today, with a, he was a runner at, at second base with nobody out. A ball in the dirt, our catcher was a ball, was barely in the dirt, our catcher blocked it, and he takes off for second base, gets thrown out by 15 feet. Mm. And, you know, you, we just can't make that first down at third. And when he slid in and got tagged out, he come to the dugout, and I was listening. I was asking him how many outs was. He was one. He said it was stupid. He said I knew I shouldn't have went in that situation unless I knew I could have went in standing up. But he and he learned from it. He's a freshman. He learned from it. So I really think that review after we play is is ginormous in our players' development because we we can sit there and break it down. So that's generally what we do on a Tuesday, and then Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we we work on all aspects from defense, positional defense, um, to hitting, to base running, our pitchers doing their bullpens, all that kind of stuff. So we kind of work Wednesday, Thursday, Friday with things, play Saturday, play Sunday, Monday's an off day, review, condition Tuesday. So we're really honestly practicing three days. There goes my light again. <laughs> I can't get a thing to stay on either. That's weird. It wouldn't stay on there for you. That did. There it went on. Sorry, I know that's annoying. There's a button here that you can hit. Now I probably screwed it up. It's <laughs> yeah, funny it got up. It, it turned on when you when you got up. I like how much anything does say because it at least it gives me exercise getting up and down. <laughs> I don't sit all the time. There it goes again. Oh wow, he might have. <laughs> there he goes. It's pretty high tech here. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I just want to get candles. Might as well just get candles. Really yeah, well, we're probably getting to that point. Right, right. <laughs> so, so like, really, with those Wednesday, Thursday, Fridays, like when you talk about those two hours, is it, you know, you're, you're, you like to bring out your positional defense or team defense, I guess just depending on what, what you might need at the time, and then getting into some offensive work, and then do you have like a – is it like that? And then with like a scrimmage time, like a live time, or is that all kind of live? I guess. It's Good question. We, we make every Wednesday a team defense day. Okay. Because our pitchers through on the weekend, Saturday, Sunday, that isn't, if you pitch on Saturday, it gives them three days rest, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. We threw on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday rest. So we do a team defense that day. And it's kind of a, a blowout. We'll, we'll work, we work on our, Tandem relays when plays at third and, and, and extra base hits at the plate. So we do team defense uh, on Wednesdays. We'll, we'll go, we call them sure doubles. We get sure doubles and then let the guys take around of infield outfield. So the guys can work on the relays and cuts and stuff. And, you know, our catchers and third base are learning when to let the ball come or when to get it relayed. And then we'll go into bunt defense, our first and third defense. And then we go into PFP. That whole that whole segment takes probably about an hour and fifteen minutes, and uh, we don't have lights, so we got about forty five minutes after that team defense to to go into. Honestly, Trey, we don't we don't spend a ton of time hitting in the fall. Now, luckily oh, for nice. us, luckily for us, we've got we just built a new uh, indoor place that's right behind our dugout, and it's really nice. We got 
three full cages in there, pitching machines, and it's open. We open it at nine o'clock in the morning till about, and it goes till midnight. It's our clubhouse. Our players can come down anytime between nine in the morning and midnight, get in the clubhouse, go hit. Um, so our falls, honestly, we do not spend a lot of time hitting in the fall. It's mainly a lot of defense. Mm-hmm. Um, and the guys just go by himself in the, in the, in the barn. And they go, they go and hit on their own. Now we, we hit of those, of those three full days of practice, that, that team defensive day, we hit none that day. Okay. The guys go hit on their own. Um, then on um, Thursday is a defensive day. What we'll do is we've got the team split into two groups that day. So we don't have all the guys there because of COVID. So we got a team of 22 that comes from, 2.45 to 4, 4 o'clock, and another group comes from 4.15 to 5.45. So in that, um, we hit we, we send the outfitters to hit for about 45 minutes while the infielders for 45 minutes are defense on the field. Okay. And then they switch. The outfitters will come out and go through 45 minutes of defense while the infielders go hit. And the pitchers and catchers during that time, we're doing our bullpens and conditioning. Um, that's every Thursday. And then on Friday, Friday is a normal, we take BP on the field on Fridays. We take three group BP on the field on Fridays. Uh, we have a group hitting on the field live, a group in the field working on defense and a group in our hitting cages hitting. So Friday's our big hitting day where we do a lot of hitting at practice. Um, but honestly, outside of Friday, we don't spend in the fall a lot of time hitting, um, it seems to work for us. Um, we really try to spend a lot of time working on our pitching and our catching and our defensive, uh, you know, working on getting ground balls, our defensive, you know, from butt defense to first and third defense. Um, you know, like before we put in our, our, our sure doubles with our tandem relays, we, you got to spend a couple of hours through infielders working on footwork. So when they go out there, they know what they're doing. And, and uh, we used to, that's another thing that we've changed is we, we go more individual stuff, more individual teaching stuff on defense before we actually put them in to those situations. We kind of teach them the footwork and stuff and how to do that before we put them into it. it used to be, we just roll them out there and all right, we're going to take infield out there, work on sure doubles. So we've gotten more technical with that aspect of it. We do. Now I will tell you this, we spend a lot of time of evenings in individual group meetings. Uh, Coach Schaefer works with our hitters he'll bring our hitters in usually two days a week for an hour each day and, and go through approach at the plate um, and how we're going to handle at bats, um, you know, working on our offensive philosophy. And what, what so will that be? Like, when will that be? Like before it, or after? After practice, like he'll bring him back at nine o'clock that night. And that's an advantage that we've got, you know, our guys all live on campus with the dorms and oh, stuff. Right, so right, right. they live five minutes, five minute walk from our field. So like our hitters will come down from nine to two nights a week, nine to 10 o'clock. And they'll sit on a, on a, on a, you know, with a chalkboard and go through stuff and he works the approach. And then usually one day a week, I'll have the pitchers and catchers. We have to be a little bit careful because, you know, catchers get double duty. They got to be here with the hitters. Yeah. And then if we have a pitcher catchers meeting, they got to come back to that. Um, so we're, we're, we, we, we spend more time really in meetings and working on positional skills in the fall than we do hitting. Mm-hmm. We, we found in the last 10 years that works best for us in our situation. But, you know, not saying that we're sliding hitting because we're, you know, we're trying to figure out a way to score runs. 
um, that our guys spend a lot of time on their own hitting, um, you know, and they got to do some work on their own. So our farm sure. is built, you well, know, I, where they. I was, I was just wondering, like, cause, cause the, the new hitting facility, like your indoor facility is new. So how would you do that in the past? Like what, before you had, before you had that. We had, you're right. Did you this do it in the gym start. or is it just we something you, it, you start now? We would do it in the gym, but that would be in the winter. Oh, so yeah. in the outside, we don't have lights outside. We, we had to do things a little bit differently then. Uh, but we still did a lot of individual defense and we had lights in our cages. So guys would come and hit on their own at night. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not as nice as it is now, but um, you know, this Juco players are grinders, man. Yes, Those guys will hit from daylight to dark. And, um, and it, I love that building because it's nice. And I love when I drive, I, I'm in my office now. When we get done, I'll guarantee I'll drive down. The lights are on. I'll walk up be eight or ten guys in there hitting tonight. Mm-hmm. And I love that facility getting used. And um, But, you know, before – Coach Schaefer does such a great job with our hitters. Before we turn them loose in the cages, he – he, he walks them through drills and all that kind of stuff. So the guys just aren't down there free swinging it. They're in there with a purpose. And, um, you know, and a lot of times guys got to do stuff on their own to get a little bit better. Um, so we're very fortunate aspect to have that, that development. We call it a player or baseball performance center mm-hmm. to where they can get down there and get work around the clock around what we do and team and stuff. Yeah. So do you, so do you find, I guess in the, in this winter, is that when you kind of put in your like maybe offensive, like team offense stuff, like any kind of like, you know, what you're trying we to do, do offensively? We do that in the fall. Um, he's probably had four or five one hour meetings with the guys already in the last oh, okay. 14 days talking about approach, hope my light didn't go off, um, <laughs> talking about, a, talking about approach and, and, um, those type things. And, um, and he really, he really drives that point home with our hitter. I spent all my time with our pitchers and catchers for the most part, mm-hmm. and um, which I'm very, I'm very fortunate. I've got really good assistant coaches, and I just turn them loose. I don't have to worry about the hitters. They do a great job with those guys. And um, it's honestly to the point now to where probably the last, since 2011, I've turned the hitting over to Coach Schaefer. He makes our lineouts up. He makes our offense. I don't even know who's playing when I get to the ballpark that day, I just know who the pitcher and catcher is going to be. And he does a great job because he's with those guys all the time from meetings to watching them hit. And he's going to know those guys better than I do. And if he gets a guy, if he has a guy, maybe he's got, Hey, what do you think between this kid and this kid? What, what do you think? And he'll, you know, I'll put my, my two cents in, so to speak. Um, But he does a really good job. And that, that frees me up to really bear down our pitchers and catchers. And as you know, that's, any team success at any level is going to be based on that pitchers and catchers. And it frees me up. I just do the pitchers and catchers, but, but uh, he does, he puts the offensive philosophy in, in the fall. And then when we get to January, then we really start hammering away on it. Um, and with, with our new facility, it makes it nice this past year. Our, our hitters are able to start seeing live pitching three weeks before we open up. And that's really helped. That's really helped us catch up you know usually our first couple of weekends we play some pretty tough teams down in the Carolinas and we take it on the chin but with doing last year I noticed with us being able to do live at-bats we can have three cages going of guys getting live at-bats off of pitchers three weeks before we open up and that's really been a, 
a huge help with us in our hitters development, even our pitchers development to do that leading up to our season starting where in years past, we really weren't able to do that. Um, so in those, on those days, um, he really, he really spends a lot of time with our hitters, you know, breaking down pitches and what they're looking for and all that kind of stuff. He gets pretty technical with it. Sure. Oh, and I know coach Schaefer, he's always writing something down, you know, and taking notes and things <laughs> he's like a student, that. I'm telling you, he's a student of the game. Um, he's had a couple opportunities to go coach, be a head coach elsewhere. And, and he, I'm, you know, I've encouraged him to go and, and, um, he, he likes it here. Um, I, I, we wouldn't be where we are today without him. He's such a huge help for me. Um, but he does a fantastic job with those hitters. Um, like I said, we couldn't do it without, without what he's done for us. Sure. No, Coach Schaefer, and even just the consistency with him, you know, and you guys, you know, it's just, it's he's hard. He's a great to... baseball mind. He really yeah. is. He's, he, he, he's, you know, he comes up with some stuff that, you know, he helps me and it, it makes decisions and stuff and sheds different lights on it. than what I'd look at it and, um, he, he honestly, um, has got a great baseball mind mm-hmm. and, there's, and there's, there's a lot of great Juco coaches out there. Um, you know, we're fortunate in our region. There's a lot of good coaches out there and ton, and, ton in your region. Uh, yes. And, and, um, you know, a lot of those coaches have moved on to bigger and better things and, um, you know, Juco is obviously a great place to go play at and cut your teeth and, you know, my son is a freshman for us this year. And, uh, you know, he's that 2020 class of everybody, all those high school kids missed their senior year because yeah. of COVID. Right. And um, he's here, you know, and he's he's been around Coach Schaefer with his hitting since he's been five. So he can probably teach everything that Coach Schaefer teaches because, he, you know, he's been hearing it and been in the dugout since he's been five years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's got a little bit of a, at a young age and advanced – knowledge of hitting approach which has really benefited him as a hitter um but yeah this COVID's really had an impact on everybody as you know and um you know those incoming freshmen we had coming in we recruited those guys as if we were going to have our guys back and then COVID hits and these guys are coming back and it honestly in college baseball there's a there's a log jam jam of players oh unbelievable i got it i I don't like this winter recruiting transfer i think is going to be it can oh, be a mess. Absolutely. It's, there's going to be, there's already a couple thousand guys in the transfer portal just because, you know, they're going to those four-year schools. And now the seniors are back and the draft was only five rounds. So not many players getting drafted. It's, it's a log jam. There's in January, you're going to see a lot of players go from division one to Juco's. Easy. I percent. Oh, I, I mean that very easily, very easily. Yep. Uh, it's going to be tough. I think I think also the competition. I think we're going to still see some great baseball, but no not the saying that th- those kids in there are just in a tough spot. Like if you're playing college, it's just a tough spot. Yes, you know, and I think I think for JUCOs like like us, um, Hagerstown, some of the the JUCOs, I think Hagerstown and us are going to benefit from it more. Because in years past, Hagerstown and us, we've had a good number one and good number two pitcher. Then after that, it's by committee. 
Mm-hmm. And, and your top programs, your really top, top programs, they've got depth. And, you know, we've never really been able to have quality depth. So this year, this backlog, I think for Hagerstown, for us, I think it's going to give us a chance to have some quality depth sure. that we normally don't have. So I think for us, it, it's going to be very beneficial to us. For somebody that's used to having top players all the time, it's probably status quo for them. But I know for us, um, you know, when I sit and look at our pitchers, we're not world beaters, but we can run 10 guys out there right now with our team that I think can keep us in any game. In wow. years past, we might have four guys that can keep us in a game. Right. So that aspect has really helped us a little bit. Sure. But you're right. It's this, this, this year in college baseball, at all levels of college, it's going to be really good. Mm-hmm. I agree. I mean, you got, you know, that's even the top programs in the country. Those, those seniors are coming back, you know, and yeah. especially the guys that didn't go, didn't go high in the draft. And that's, that's so tough, you know, and yeah. you're looking at big time recruits from, from out of high school and they're not, they're going to go against them. It's just going to be very interesting. It is. What, what are your thoughts, Trey, on, um, not to ask you questions, but like, I, I'm not a big social media person and, but I do do Twitter. Yeah. Um, because I, you can, I mean, I love Twitter. I don't tweet much, or I think right. don't tweet. I don't tweet much, but you can really keep up on scores and can. and see what teams are doing and all that. And, and I see so many kids that these. Like I saw the other day, a, a 2024 committed somewhere. It seems like you're seeing like there's 22, 23s, 24s commit, and I'm thinking that's crazy because you know, three years from now, four years from now, it's it's going to change. Maybe the coach might change. Oh, yeah. I, I did see something on Twitter the other day where uh, school gets a, got a new coach and they called all the recruits that had already committed and said, Hey, we don't want you here. So all these kids have to go somewhere else. But I, I just think personally think it's getting out of hand. These oh, kids so early, very early. And, yeah. It's, it's unbelievable. I mean, it's, I mean, and it, it's, and I, it's, it's, it's hard to fall to college coach because it gets them yeah. off someone else's radar, but it's yep. like, so I, I can't really fault them. And then at the same time though, it's like, you still got to make a good decision for your own self to say like, look, and even be realistic, like these guys will decommit you and it's, and it just, it's just part yep. of it where it's just, yep. I don't it's see just, how, I mean, this has to be an unbelievable offer that you just couldn't pass up that maybe you can't get it. I mean, I just, it's, yeah. it's really tough. It is, and it, it you know, and I just, I just don't know how it, it it's difficult. I, I yeah, and even in our a, small area, even in our small area, we're small in Maryland. I've seen a handful of it happen here. Like even in our small, I can't yeah. imagine in bigger areas a much bigger talent pool that yeah. I'm sure it's happened multiple times. You know, even yeah. for us in our small area, you know, here in here in it's it, it for for us to happen and no multiple people happening here like. Yeah, it's not yeah. a good. That's not a good thing. It's happened all over, and it's uh, you know, and what it what it what what it has is really like with junior college, I, we recruit one year at a time, you know, and I got a I had a 22, 22 and a twenty three kid email me and say, hey, we're really interested in your program, and and I email them back, you know, hey, thank you for your interest, and honestly we're one year at a time. We're still recruiting 21s. I haven't even thought about the 22s and 23s. Uh, just giving you a heads up, keep in touch with me. And when that time comes, you know, we, we'd have an interest in you. So, um, 
Sure. Hey there. Good. How are you? That's all right. Thank you. I'll come on your desk. Thank you. Thank you. Good weekend. You too. At least you got the light kicked back on for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's our athletic director. Oh, right. um, so, yeah, it just, it's, it's, I, I'm old school and, and uh, you know, I just see that recruiting is getting more difficult because kids want to commit early. And I really think kids need to be a little bit more patient. Mm-hmm. As you know, junior college is such a great avenue. I'd recommend it, it to anybody. 100%, 100%. Unless, like you said, unless you get a really good offer to go play in Division One. And there's there's some really good division two. Like Shepherd's really good. Yes. And, yes. Yes. And, you yes, know, yes. And they're a factor. They're a factor. But but you know, if you don't get a chance to play Division One or a good Division Two school or, or good, pick a school based on where you feel comfortable at, where you think you're gonna have a chance to play. But junior college is such a great way to go because it's kids your age and one year older. You don't have any juniors and seniors to compete against, and and cut your teeth down there in junior college and then you're able to make that jump to a bigger school a lot easier. Mm-hmm. Like I tell kids too, it's, it's like, um, if you're interested in that program, like you go Juco and you don't show out, you, you'd been cut or you probably would have transferred anyways. You know, yeah. you wouldn't have played at that big time school or two, you're going to get even a better offer now coming out of it. Or you yeah. might even get a, be- a, a, a at that same school or a better school at a different school, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and so it's, you're going to learn a lot about yourself right away. That 19, 20 year old years of your life are really, you know, just trying to figure out what you're going to do. Are you really into it? Cause if not, if you're, if you don't really grind it out, like you're not going to be that great of a player anyways, you know, and Juco right. shows that, you know, if you're not going to put, cause Juco, you got, you can, you can practice a ton. You can, you can work out and you know, it's, it's a grind. So like, if you don't, if you don't have that, you know, it's going to show a lot too. Like, are you, do you really want to do this? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, huge pro Juco guy for sure, you know, but, and especially now, like, cause not too many, I mean, I think, I think weightlifting is getting better. That yes. continues to get better. I don't know yeah. how much better it is than at the, at the regular high school at, at you know, um, kids are, but uh, kids are starting to, what I see in our area, kids are starting to put more money into that. Um, yeah. you know, cause like I said, there's a lot of kids. I'm like, you should stop paying for hitting lessons and just go pay for a personal trainer and go lift. Yes. You know, because like that's what you need more of because you can't hit the ball out of the infield, you know, or 100 percent, 100 percent. You know, during this pandemic there, there was um, a, a, I say a friend of mine, a kid I recruited at West Virginia. He was a Juco guy, kid I recruited it and he come to play for us at West Virginia. He's the Marlins double A hitting coach right now. And I'm, you know, of course, recruiting him, good friends with him. He was drafted out of our program and got to the big leagues with the Yankees and, and has been very ultra successful. But he caught, um, my, my son was, he was having a tough time with his hitting and wasn't making a jump. So I called him and said, Hey, you know, my son's having a tough time. He's trying to make a jump as a hitter. And, and I see him every single day and I need somebody else to take a look at him if I send you some video, would you take a look? And he goes, he goes, I'm bored to death. He lives in Pittsburgh. He said, I'm <laughs> bored to death. He said, how about I come down? So he came out and spent the afternoon with us and worked with, worked with Morgan. And, and he was telling Morgan that he said, he said, here's the one piece of advice I'll give you. He said, I wish I would have done it when I played. He said, you need to get stronger. He said, every player needs to get stronger. He said, I didn't, I didn't lift when I played. 
He said, if I would have, he said, I probably would have had a longer big leg career. He said, my advice to baseball players is no matter what position you are, is get yourself stronger. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I've seen that, that has really changed through the years. Um, you know, I can remember when I played um, 20 years ago, when players would go eat in a restaurant, it was quantity over quality. And, uh, you know, now players are really watching what they put in. The, the, the players are really serious about it. Like I've, I've seen our guys, you know, they don't drink the sodas. They drink the waters, these, these drinks. They're watching what they put in their body and eating. And they're taking so much better care of themselves. So players today, I think, are coming out, are far more advanced with training than ever before. And I think they're better educated. Um, you know, and, and, and honestly, here, we don't have a strength coach. I'm not a strength coach. Um, you know, before, until about five or six years ago, we just get in the weight room and lift and do all this kind of stuff. And now we kind of do a lifting program that's designed by a major league strength coach that our guys can do um, that's tailored for them as a position player or a pitcher. It's become more and more high tech and, and um, uh, you know, players are just getting better because they're so more advanced than I ever was as a player and things out there. So I think in that aspect, we made really good gains. Uh-huh. And um, I think players in, in colleges and aren't doing that, it's really missing the boat. Oh, for sure. For sure. I mean, it, it is, it definitely is like there's, uh, you definitely see it more, but it, you're right. I think it's the select few of players that if those that are really serious about it, no, I mean, I, I even hear my guys are talking about this summer. Like you, they know like certain things are put in their body or certain things that yeah. they're going to take before they lift. Um, yeah. But again, you know, and that's like that Cameron Day kid that you that you saw, and uh, he's the same yep. way. You know, he knows what he was putting in his body before he was going to go work out. He wasn't going to eat. He packed his lunches to come uh, between the games and know what he was eating. So I think just another part of that preparation. So thinking about that, you. Coach, you know, is like is the kind of players that you see, like giving into that. Like so beyond that, beyond like, you know, like you said, that, that skill of watching what you eat and that kind of is, is there any other, uh, you know, with all the great players you've seen, like what else do those great players also do? Um, obviously we're looking for a certain skill set, but we're, we're also looking, you know, if the player's got a really good skill set, we're probably not going to get them. They're going to go to a bigger school or maybe a, you know, we're always fighting those Florida JUCOs. Every, every kid wants to go to a Florida JUCO and play because it's warmer and all this and that. And, um, you know, you don't have to go that far away from home to play in a good JUCO program. Oh, yeah. But, but you know, if you got a player that's got a really good skill set, they're going to have a lot of people recruiting them. So we kind of take we kind of take a different approach. We obviously try to get really good players, but we usually end up, honestly, getting a second-tier player that gets overlooked and – we try to do a lot of background checks on them, find out from their coach or scouts, you know, what's their work ethic like, and, um, you know, kind of get some background information on them to find out, do they really truly like to compete? Um, you've seen it. I've seen it. Players have marginal ability that really are competitors and work hard. They, they become really good players. Um, so yeah, we look for a certain skill set. Um, I'll tell you this too, through the years, body types have become an in, you know, come into it as well. Like when we recruit pitchers, try to recruit those long, lanky pitchers, big body guys. So you can try to put weight on them and, and get them stronger. And, um, you know, they're projectable, projectable can get you beat, but, um, 
you know, I was, if you take a look at our pitchers this year on our, our staff, we've got some pretty decent sized kids, you know, maybe not real thick, but long and lanky pitchers, their arm works pretty good. So we, we look at skill set. Honestly, we work at, look at body size and what kind of athlete are they and try to do as much finding out about their background as far as, you know, are they a good kid? Are they a hard worker? Those type things, because those are big factors in who we go after. And, and honestly, we kind of get those blue collar players. We don't get those Lamborghinis or Ferraris. We get the, the, the Dodge Rams and, and Chevy Blazers and Ford Bronco guys. And get the work done. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Guys that want to drink out of the water hose, not the, <laughs> not the bottle, you know. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Those kind of guys. There you go. That's right. That's right. So, like, speaking of that, so, like, those guys that, you know, that you guys mold so well, um, you know, and I know that's part of, you know, when you guys, when you watch yourself, when you got your guys play and there's just the mentality that you bring out, you, you want those competitiveness. You can tell you guys work hard. Like are there, you know, I know you're, you're such a great teacher. Do you have that part of your curriculum too? Like teaching that mentality. Um, Cause I know you talked about like coach Schaefer teaching approach. Um, are you also having those skill, uh, those, those sessions about mentality of, of a being like that bulldog pitcher and competitiveness? We do. And I think that's one of the things fortunately that we, we do a pretty good job of is we really pound away on that mental side of it. And, 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 and in junior college, you're trying to get the guys to mature a lot quicker. So we, we put them into, you know, we're, we're counting on freshmen and sophomores to help you win games. And, and we kind of force them, I think in a good way to grow up quicker than they would be at a four-year school because we're counting on them as a freshman and sophomore. So we, we really do. Um, I, I, you know, I think we have kind of have a tough love for our players here. We're, 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 we push them. I don't want to say we're hard on them, but we probably are hard on them. We push them and, and we put them in tough situations to make them more mentally diff, tough. Um, you know, and that's the one thing we had to talk with our, our, with our pitcher staff last week, last weekend, in our first weekend, we had too many walks. And, and, um, so we had a session where we sit down for about an hour and just kind of Hey, you know, if you want to be a big time pitcher, you can't be walking guys and you got to become more mentally tough than this. Um, you know, last week we had a kid throw three innings. His first two, his first two innings, he was, was not very good. And I always like to see kids and how they respond in those situations. He went out his third inning and pitched really well. And that tells me a lot about that young man. And he's, he's, he's tough mentally. He didn't quit. Didn't feel sorry for himself. Didn't give in. He went out, competed. And his best inning was his last inning. And when you got guys, when you got, when you find a player that can do that, you've got something pretty special there. And, you know, that, that's something that you, you can teach a little bit, but he's got it internally, but we try to take those, we try to take all of our players and try to find a way to make them more mentally tough. And, um, and, and I think we've done a really good job of that. Um, you know, some guys, um, you know, obviously come in more mentally tough than other guys, but I've seen in two years a transformation of a player being pretty soft mentally to where they turned into a really tough mental kid and went on to, you know, to play in division one or even pro ball. Mm. Uh, we had a kid the other day that just came back and visited. Uh, he'd come down to see one of our air squad games. He um, was a pitcher for us. He pitched in the Phillies organization for a while. And, um, uh, he was talking, he was talking about how soft he was his first year here. And he said, he thought, you know, you guys are, 
you guys were mean to me, yelled at me when I didn't do things right. You pushed me. And he said, now, you know, he said, I can't, you know, I wouldn't be where I am today if I didn't have that. And, and it's kind of a tough love. Yeah. And, yeah. and I think we, we also tell the pitcher or tell, tell our players that, you know, at some point here, you're going to get your butt chewed on multiple occasions. It's not that we're being mean to you. It's that we we see something in you that we're trying to get better and we're going to push it and get you, get it out of you. And I said, you know, I always tell the guys that don't take it personally. We're trying to push you, make you better. I think the time to worry is when we stop yelling at you and stop trying to help you out. We've probably given up on you. Um, and I, our, our guys really do. I think we do a good job of conveying that to them and they buy into it. Um, I, and I think they know that we're trying to help them and try to do everything we can to make them better and make our team better. It's kind of a goes hand in hand. Mm-hmm. So you kind of just take it individually piece by piece and say, Hey, this guy, and you just try to uh, showcase things in the game and say, here's how this guy was. So it seems like you always have that a part of your conversation. Like maybe part of your, uh, like when you guys take it, like, I guess when you break it down, like on Wednesdays or, t- or Tuesdays and say, Hey, here's how this guy was mentally tough. Yes. Yeah. And, 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 you know, now I brought that out with that picture. So, you know, here, yeah. here's, here's this guy and I was telling it in front of the whole group and we'll tell the guy, say, we're, we're going to single you out on good things and bad things. It's not a slap in your face. It's so everybody else can learn. And, you know, I said, here's this kid. He goes out in his first two innings. He was brutal. He didn't give, you know, he, he was, was not very good, but he didn't quit. He went out in his third inning. It was the best inning. And you, you can, you could just see his body language after he come off the mound at third inning, uh, that he was just got some confidence. And then this weekend he went out and pitched for us with lights out. Yep. So hopefully it's a learning experience. And, you know, the other pitchers see that, um, you know, you're going to have, as like I tell the players, the game's built around failure. You're going to fail more times than you succeed. And the players that are successful are the ones that's able to handle that failure and learn from it um, to make themselves better. And, um, you know, this game, I always tell the guys, this game's really easy when everything's going well for you. It's, it's, it, when it's things aren't going well, yeah. it's how you handle that and where you go from there and, and, and success. The other 60% it, of the game. Especially it, I tell you, it's so, it's so much mental. And we, we talk about this in my coaching classes, coaches, we, we, I think every coach probably from that, from doomsday till now spends more time on the physical aspect of it we probably should be spending more time on the mental aspect. Mm-hmm. Has that changed for you at all? It has. Has it? We we spend so much more time working on the mental part than the physical part now because without it, the physical part is not going to be any good mm-hmm. unless the kid's mentally tough. We do spend a lot of time on that mental, trying to improve mental toughness and, and, and trying to get guys prepared you know i think if they're prepared they're confident and their toughness goes up if they're prepared mm-hmm. yeah it starts there starts in the mind god david goggins i'm reading a book david goggins can't hurt me and this guy's a three-time going through budge training seal like crazy and he just that's all he talks about and it's just it's just it's just crazy how you have this thing start and end in the mind you know and yes i, I never There's realized no it too as a player is is and the more i've read and, and learned and try to help guys is how people, people, how even as a player, I used to see myself. Like I love defense, and like you would see yourself making a play or making a play, and then you would make it, and it was just like, oh, you know. And I never realized that I did those things. And then when I would have conversation with guys, like, do you know, like, do you see yourself getting a knock here? Like, can you see yourself doing that? Can you see yourself making a pitch? 
Well, no, yeah. like, well, that's, I think that's so much part of it. Where like either one, maybe you don't know you do it or two, like you need to just say, like, this is what people do this is what good, good athletes do. Absolutely. Um, and I think they're definitely teachable. I do. I think they're yes. definitely teachable. Oh, there's no doubt. And, you know, we, and, you know, with, with uh, major league baseball and having the MLB network, you know, down in our clubhouse, we've got three TVs in there and we keep it on MLB network or ESPN, but MLB network a lot. And, you know, they, they're able with this high speed photography, slow things down. And those guys, you know, those former big league players that are announcing them, they break down skills. And, uh, you know, the one thing that we try to tell our guys is watch those big league pitchers and hitters, man. They're one pitch at a time. Mm-hmm. You know, if they have a bad pitch, they put it behind them and move on quickly. And that's a lot easier said than done. But honestly, that's where the game is won and lost and success and failure are the athletes and teams that can put the mistakes behind them and quickly focus on what's going to happen next. Um, that, that is how you win games and how you develop there. I can't overemphasize that enough. And we've tried to do a really good job in the last several years of, of really grinding that into our guys to help them mentally. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yep. I, I can't agree more. You know, it's can't agree more. I think, I think more of the times not it's the teams that can just handle those adversities just better than the yes. other team. Yep. Like, that's all. Like, look, we're all going to strike out. Who can handle it better than the other team? We, you know, and we, <laughs> we spent a lot of time with our guys on umpires, like yeah. just taking the umpires out of the equation because, you know, I see a lot of teams, a lot of players blame things on umpires. And I, I we really try to take the umpires out of the equation, say you got to deal with it because you're going to get bad calls. You're going to get good calls. And I, I see at our level, at the JUCO level, I see a lot of teams when there's a bad call, go in a tank. And they just keep dwelling on it instead of putting it behind them. And I think we do a really good job of that, of not reacting to an umpire's call and, and trying to deal with that mentally. Um, we, we, put, we do, Trey, spend a lot of time with that aspect of it. it is, is, you know, I haven't been ejected from a game since 2004. Mm-hmm. And not saying that, you know, I've gotten argued calls, but, oh, sure. you know, but we try to emphasize to our players that. So yeah, you know, I think that's what get, makes you such a great teacher. Like you're not saying teacher because I'm a leader, because a leader would not ask those of his players. And then just on the other side, well, I'm still going to go crazy on these umpires. Yes. And, and, and try shows to. Great, shows great leadership, coach. Well, thank you. We, you know, we just try to get to say, listen, you're going to get back home. We got to overcome it. We just got sure. to find a way to overcome it. And, um, and I think our guys have done a really good job of that through the years of taking it out of, out of the equation because you've seen it, I've seen it. You get a bad call and, and the teams, they fall apart. Mm-hmm. Or one strike comes two, and then all of a sudden three, now you're down and yes. out. That's it. Yep. Absolutely. That's it. You know, and it's just, it's a shame. It all started from just one thing that you could have just let go and, because you know he was going to get him and it's, anyway. t- it's a tough it's a, it's a tough one. I'll it admit is. it. Tough. It is very, very tough. Yeah, it is very tough, you know. So, yeah, we're, especially with a 19-year-old kid who's had a yep. ton of success growing in, coming into it, and then all of a sudden he's never seen that slider before, or, you know, or yep. just really struggling, and all of a sudden I get a bad call, which we all agree it's a bad call, but 
So yeah, it's very tough. Very tough. The game's tough enough as it is. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> put, that on, put that on top of it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. But uh, coach, I mean, it, it's been an hour so far. I want to, I mean, I, I, I told you about an hour. This has been, this has been incredible, 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 incredible coach. If there's any, if there's any way that people would want to reach out to you to talk more about this stuff, um, what would be the best way to reach out to you? Um, email is fine. Uh, D a little at mail, M a I L dot W V U like West Virginia university dot E D use my email. Um, I'll give you my cell phone 304-813-8438. I prefer text. Uh, sometimes you get, I'm not a big conversationalist. Um, unless it's on baseball though. That's right. <laughs> I could talk right. Right on baseball, but yeah, more than welcome to email me, text me, call me. Um, you know, it, it's funny because I spent 24 years here and this is year 32 overall in college. And, um, the other, just over the weekend, I learned something new that I didn't even know in baseball yeah. when it comes. And, um, so, you know, we're not too old to, to learn. And, um, you know, I'm trying, I'm trying to, to, to advance with technology, um, yeah. you know, with the, the rap soda and the yeah. track in and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's, it's really vital information. Um, and I, I know we're, we're trying to get more of that implemented into our program because it helps recruit kids too. Sure. But I also think those are good teaching tools too. Um, I just got to learn to keep up with the times of technology and stuff. I'm kind of old school, but uh, the new stuff I like, and um, you know, you, there's lots of different ways of teaching, hitting and pitching and fielding, as you know, and you have to kind of find out what work works best for you. And so we're kind of old school here, but we're trying to stay up with the current ways of technology. So that's, I'm, I'm learning on that aspect. Yeah. Why are we all? Cause it's so fast. I mean, it's just, it's so it fast. Is. It's so fast and growing so quickly. You have so- to adapt. You yeah. have to adapt because if not, you're going to get behind. Is that is that what you've seen like throughout the years too? Like the great coaches and the people like they're just you you, you find yourself being able to adapt. You try, yeah, you have to. I really think you have to. And um, you know, I fought it there about five or six years ago. I fought it. And I thought, you know what? I'm I'm hurting I'm hurting players if I don't do this. And so yeah, um, try to keep up with it and and. Um, you know, it's it's funny when you talk about coaches that's done it for a long time, you know, rest in peace, Augie Garrido, the guy yeah. won a national championship in four or five de- different decades and how, you know, over time um, he was able to adjust to the players and, um, you know, and he's done a great job of it. I think it's important for coaches to, to adapt. Um, you know, players are different today as far as things that they they do as far as, you know, players are more open. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, and, and you're, you're probably, I'm probably more friends with our players today than I was 15, 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that, that aspect has changed. You you're know, saying more like a relationship kind of thing. Like, you know, yes. a relationship, yep. you know, the guy really well, better. It wasn't yep. like the Earl Weaver kind of thing. Like where that was more back in the day where like players are players coach, you know, it's because yep. I, I also find it to where it's like you, like, I think your players would see through you too nowadays where if you, if you say you don't worry about the umpires and then you go crazy and you get yes. tossed a bunch and then they're just not buying into that. Like, I think that right. is, 
Because like you yes. said, I agree. Like I agree, they're so educated <laughs> now. <laughs> yes, I agree. Uh, but I, I really think that, you know. But I don't know if that's a bad thing. I don't think I don't know if that's on the kids or if that's also making adults better leaders. I think it's I think it's a good thing. I enjoy it. Um, you know, you're like, you know, when you have kids. And I have I have a daughter now. She just actually graduated from WVU, and my son's right. a freshman now. So when you have kids, your own kids, it changes your perspective on things. I think. Um, I think more of our players now when I look at them as, you know, Hey, their parents aren't here. You got to kind of have to help them. You're kind of like a father figure to them while they're here because their parents aren't around. And I know after my son gets done playing here, hopefully he'll go play somewhere to four year school. And, you know, I'd want a coach help looking out for him too. And um, so I think, I think that aspect, I have a friend of mine that just retired in the white Sox organization as as a coach and he was telling me that the best managers that he's worked for has not been the guys that are x's and o's it's the people that how they handle people yeah and he said those are the best those have been the players the players have responded the best to the people have good people skills and and he said some of the worst managers he's ever played for has been the guys that are really good in X's and O's, but not good people skills. Yeah. So I really think coaching, a big part of it is, you know, you're coaching people and handling people. And people, you know, I think if players know that you're going to work hard for them and help them and that they can approach you, that it, it, it creates a pretty good environment to develop and learn. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's great. I got to write that down. I think it's a great play. I'm going to have that as a the bold statement of this. You know, if the players, they can come to you and have open, they know that you can learn. This is great. Coach, I, I mean, it's it was, this is amazing. This was a great conversation. I knew it would have been. Can't thank you enough for taking well, the time. I appreciate you having me very much. It's always good yeah. to see you. I wish we could have played this fall. I know. I really wish to. I really wish to. That's always a nice nice thing to come up in the in the, in the fall. But hopefully, definitely next summer, next fall. Absolutely, 100%. And hopefully, we got this stuff behind us and we move on and get back to normal. Fingers crossed. That's all right. Let's so, go. Let's go. Well, I appreciate you having me very much. Oh, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. No, you're, this is a no doubt conversation. That's for sure. Talking about development and, you know, the kind of guys that you guys put out all the time and this, the, the killer instinct, the, the mental, the details. You know, I love it. You know, I love it. So I just wish you the best and, uh, you know, continue all your continued success, coach. Appreciate it very much. Keep in touch. Let me know about players, please. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right. Good talking to you. Great talking to you, Coach. Take care. All right. Bye now. Another great episode. Just can't thank Coach Little enough for the time and consideration to come on the podcast. Um, Again, if you want to reach out to him, you can... Email him at dalittle at mail.wvu.edu. Great teacher of the game. Tremendous consistency. Potomac State Community College. Great facilities. And uh, a guy who, as you can see, is preparing guys not only for baseball, but creating better men, creating tougher 
individuals with a great mentality and um, just truly has a purpose for the things that he is doing there at Potomac State. So um, hopefully you guys enjoyed the conversation. Uh, we'll be back again next week. Thank you for returning. Please share the episode as much as you can. Share it to those willing who'd like to learn and um, enjoy talking to baseball. So until next week, keep getting better.